And a big happy Monday to you, Lima Land. Welcome inside the Basement Doctor Studio. Cookie and the Monster, I'm John Cook, alongside Garrett Seawright. With you here on Lima Sports Radio 93 on the Fan, whether you're listening on the radio at 93onthefan.com or on the free 93 on the Fan app. Thanks so much for deciding to make us a part of your day today. It's a Monday. We start Mondays with weekend observations. I have the first one. I want to get this out of the way. The Pro Bowl should go away immediately <laughs> or sooner. I allowed myself to watch a total of about 15 snaps of the Pro Bowl in about four segments that lasted not more than three and a half to five minutes apiece. I did see a pick six. And Darius I, Leonard's pick six? I, don't, I saw Darius Leonard's pick six. I did not see anything else that was in, even remotely interesting. I have not, <laughs> never seen a collect. I mean, it is an exhibition game, so I get it, but I've never seen a collection of athletes who were less interested in actually playing the game that they were a part Supposed of. Supposed to be playing. The, the game that is their living. I, they've got to come up with something different. I saw somebody on Twitter this weekend said, let's go with Battle of the Network stars type stuff. I'm all about that. Something to replace, because it's just got to go. And I didn't want to start Monday on a negative, because let me, let me start by saying this as well. Let me interrupt myself. It, it, was, it was tournament draw Sunday across the state of Ohio for high school hoops, which should be and is, for me, the only thing that I have thought about since then, because I allowed myself to check out the Pro Bowl for about 14 minutes. <laughs> like, this is why I love basketball. And, and, I, well, but, and, and, and our late friend Aaron Matthews, there, there's not a human alive that would put more hours into what it meant from the time the draw started to the draw ended until he got to work on Monday and through the two weeks that would lead up to the first games that we would would be covering. No one would would put more time in. And I tried to kind of get it. God bless him and, and his effort over the last number of years that I've known him. There's so many games, and there are so many potential matchups, and they're all good, they're all interesting, and I polluted my mind with some Pro Bowl action instead of just focusing on the thing that I know I like. I hate the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I didn't know I hated it until I watched it long enough to, to say that that needs to go away forever and ever. And we need to talk about what a foolish exercise that it was for the number of years that it existed. So what do you do in its place? you got to have like that all-star event, right? I think. Or do you not I, even have to? You know what? Do Let's do like... Let's do AFC North, AFC South, combine those, like pro bowlers from those two groups, put them on a team, and then what, what else is left in the AFC? AFC I said, I said and North West. and South. So the East and West, combine them and, and do a little flag football oh, so thing. So you do like a seven-on-seven seven almost. Yeah, seven-on-seven seven flag football thing and, 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 just, and then get – in the NFC, same thing, and play a little tournament. It, it wouldn't be worse. It would be more physical than what happened yesterday. And I, and I don't care about it not being physical. I care about that we make it tackle football, and it looks like that. Just don't it, make it tackle football anymore. See, I'm almost like, just do a battle of the network stars where it's like hey guess what it's the afc west versus the nfc east and we're bowling and you know what you know <laughs> what's going to happen bowl. if you do battle of the network stars you'll do the obstacle course and some guy will go underneath that little mini trampoline that they put Rip on up. and he'll he'll stand up and he'll go to climb the wall and he'll tear a hammy and or or worse he'll he'll have a compound fracture when he comes down the other side of the wall and lands and we'll have to live that down so there isn't really a good answer i'm just saying from the standpoint of 
I mean, it was a Sunday. The Buckeyes were really good. I enjoyed watching. I didn't get to see a lot of that because Sunday is Sunday. I go to church. I go to lunch. I have time with my family. <laughs> I stay and, playing at noon. And, 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 really help. The noon kick, a noon tip's a tough thing to get with. But I got it tuned in, and I got it DVR'd, so I'll watch more of it later. But it was great. But then you're in the middle of the day, and it's like, oh, just, oh well, I'll just stop here for a second. All right, I'm moving on. And then I'm, I'm reading, Don't need to see more of that. reading a little book. I'm, I'm back. You know, a half an hour later, I'm back. I'll, I'll pop in for a second. No, no, four snaps. I got to move on. Just, it needs to go away. And then I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I'm reading, and everybody and their brother is talking about the tournament draws and, and where it's going. And I mean, I, the people I follow on Twitter, I got Central District. I, it's, I got them all. And trying to piece all that back together. And then I texted you to say, hey, what's, what's, a, what's a broadcast schedule going to look like? And that led to, man, I don't know. <laughs> Not an easy thing to do. The I'm job sitting that you there. Have. I'm sitting here staring at the bracket, going, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm still. I, I think. I, I think we've got a plan, but I don't know. We do have, and I greatly appreciate four one nine sports dot com. At least I can scroll down through there and get a get a pretty good feel for it. But I tell you what, to try to get a feel for what the first couple days is going to look like, and then start trying to trying to play that out about who's going to run into who right. where what are your potential regional matchups and i got a, a buddy in columbus that does it and he's already he's already online saying boy potential regional matchups here 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 and here and i'm like how'd you get there that fast right. dude? well it's uh, to me that's the beauty of march is you can't like you can say hey crestview could potentially play new bremen in the regional final that takes out about three quarters of the way to the regional final where, you know what, I bet Marion Local is going to have something to say about whether New Bremen's playing in the regional BGSU or Perry or USV or Spencerville or whoever or Lipsick about Crestview playing. It's all a crapshoot. So I can sit here and say, oh, wow, Columbus Grove's going to play Crestview in the district final at Elida on Friday, March 9th. Uh, probably not. I don't know. I have no idea. I can tell you what I think the district might look like for a lot of places. But the, the so for instance, the D2 ONU district, I could tell you, oh man, St. Mary's versus Van Wert in the district semifinal. That's awesome. There's four other teams who got a lot to say about that that might make me look like an idiot. Well, and to run the risk of saying the thing that everybody knows and would, would, would maybe talk back to their radio and say, well, you know, no bleep, man. What, what are they paying you to do this for? There are a lot, large number of really good basketball teams in our area who aren't going to be playing very long in the postseason. <laughs> and I'm right. not predicting winners or losers. I'm just saying there are a lot of good basketball teams that won't get to move on. They will not get to move on because, I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, and and without jumping too far ahead, for example, just in Division 4 right here in our area, we talk about the the Walpock District. Okay, so Upper Seattle Valley needs to win a game against a league rival so that they can get to play Spencerville. Yes. Okay, whoever is advancing onto that is, is going to play Perry. Yes. In the first game of the districts. Potentially. USV, Spencerville, Perry. You're counting out my Parkway Panthers, John. Okay. Waynesfield, <laughs> Parkway. We'll throw somebody in there is not not playing more than two tournament games. Correct. So either USV, who is fifteen and two right now, yes. is not going to play in the district. Or 
Spencerville, who is currently 15-3, and conceivably, one of their seasons is going to end in the sectionals and the sectional finals. Yes. That, that That's just one example. There are others we can throw in, the right. Marion Locals, the New Bremens. The, 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 it's really, really, really unfortunate, and we say it every year, but for whatever reason, it just seems to be screaming at us right now, t- today. Good basketball teams are going to have their season end early, and really good basketball teams are going to advance, and it's going to make it exciting, but it's also going to be incredibly difficult to watch that and realize the number of good teams that don't get to move on or, or, or won't get to move on because of the way this thing sets up. It's better than it used to be. I realize it certainly is. I, I was the guy 25 years ago, you know, with a, a seven win, eight a team because of the way the sectional things worked out, got to play a, a five or six win team and get to the, and I won a sectional title with a seven win basketball team and went to the district to take on a Minster team that lost in the regional finals at the buzzer. Could have been said we probably didn't belong there. There was probably a better option for them to be playing. Um, it, it's a better setup now than it used to be, but it's still inc- it's brutal. It's brutal around here. And again, I, I focused on one division because Division Four, well, that's where we've got most of the team. So that's right. where I spent most of my time reading to try to figure out how things might unfold. And and again, I'm not ignoring anybody to to make this point. That just was the one that most readily jumped to mind. Also, I find it interesting. This is what you can do when you do radio instead of. Because this makes for an intriguing conversation. Uh, last year, Upper South Valley lost a home tournament game to Spencerville. I think a game in which yeah. they had an eight-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Yep. Ultimately, that that game probably cost Upper South Valley's head coach his coaching job, which opened the door for Dre White to become the head coach at USV. And now, to get out of the sectional, he's going to have to play the same Spencerville team again. It, uh, in, in St. Mary's. Yes. Which is a lot shorter trip for Spencerville than it is for USB. Yes, yes, indeed. So j- just all intriguing things. And again, Upper Side of Valley loses last Wednesday to Perry in their only matchup. Obviously, the one that's going to go a long way towards deciding the, the outcome of that conference. And then their opportunity to, to, to play Perry again exists if they can win two games to play Perry again, potentially in a district semifinal. Um, it, it's just... It's um, unreal to me how challenging it's going to be. You've got to put together a broadcast schedule. We're going to have to be talking about Divisions 1s, 2s, 3s, and 4s and trying to cover games and see games. It's going to be incredibly fun. My observation from the weekend is if I hadn't messed with the Pro Bowl, I might have my head a little bit more around (laughs) some of these potential matchups, but the Pro Bowl got in the way. It was a huge weekend of sports. We're going to talk about much, much, much of what we saw. More high school basketball tournament talk ahead. The Cavs made a big trade. We will revisit our Monday's headlines from Friday, which is really going to be exciting, and we'll unveil a new segment for Super Bowl week here because the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I don't know if you heard. Uh, Who Day Daily or Who Daily. It's a Bengals feature. We're going to try to get into the spirit here. I found out my workplace is having a Friday tailgate for the Bengals. I didn't know we did that at my workplace. 13 years nearly. We've never done anything (laughs) like it. So we're going to take a swing at it. Big show. Hope you'll stick with us after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. I'm John Cook. He's Garrett Seawright. We're Cookie and the Monster. 93.1 The Fan. Back inside the Basement Doctor Studio, where we are presented by Lewis Family McDonald's. You can apply online at work at mcd.com, where you can get work today, excuse me, and get paid tomorrow. That's Lewis Family McDonald's. We got some Twitter poll questions today? We do. We've got three of them up at 931TheFan on Twitter. You can vote in until 545. The first one is, did you watch the Pro Bowl yesterday? 90% say no. I didn't. I think they're I, lying. I didn't eat. I, I did you, not get it, on my TV. If you took a glance of it, at it like I did, that should qualify right. as having oh, watched. I, I, right, absolutely. And I don't think ninety percent of our. I, I can't. Right, it's going to come out that fourteen million people watched the Pro Bowl yesterday. Ninety percent of those who voted 
fine, but we need people to, to actually more people to vote because we need a, a clearer picture of how many of you are just as <laughs> just idiotic as I am. Degenerates like John. <laughs> uh, Chris says maybe it would be better if they made the defense play offense and vice versa. <laughs> I could get on board with that. I want to see Miles Garrett block block somebody, and I want to I, I want to see Miles Garrett play tight end. I think with. Uh, with Jalen Ramsey throwing him the football. You remember the chat we had last week about Robert Edwards? Yes, yeah. I just got a text from a buddy of mine. Robert Edwards, whatever year it was, 98 or 99. Rookie running back, Patriots, shreds his knee playing flag football, never took him another meaningful snap in the NFL. Um, I, and again, I think I said that. I think that was flag football on a beach. Which... You know, shouldn't really take a science rocket to figure out that that's probably not a great idea. We now know Robert Edwards, wherever he is, is going to his grave eventually with just so many millions that he didn't get to earn right. because uh, of that. So, yeah, get rid of the game entirely. But if you're not going to get rid of it entirely, let's let's just do some Battle of the Network star stuff. Have a, have an obstacle course. Have a, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm out of uh, ideas. Also, in regards to the Pro Bowl, if you were an NFL player... Where would you hope the Pro Bowl was held? Hawaii, Las Vegas, Orlando, or other? 53% say Hawaii. Amen to that. And I think that's the right answer. I One, I, as we have noted, I've got a soft spot for Hawaii football. <laughs> thank, but, you, thank you. Thank you, like, Todd. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Damn third world country can't get a docky pep around here. Uh, it's just so asinine. Um, but I think, like, I like the idea of playing. I I think the NFL should build a bomb-ass stadium on the island of Hawaii, host the Super Bowl every year there, and now that there's an odd number of games, everybody plays eight home games, eight away games, and everybody's playing a game in Hawaii. That's cooler to me than playing in London, but no far cooler. No, nobody, nobody asked me, and I think it's a cool thing to like. Basically, the NFL could own the state of Hawaii if they wanted to. Like, we are going to bring two. We're going to bring a game to you every week. I think that would be cool, but I'm not running the NFL. Also, we asked, is figure skating a sport? In <laughs> Winter Olympics going on right now, sixty-three percent of people say yes. I'm absolutely flabbergasted that 63% of people say yes because those people are factually incorrect. I'm going to share with you something that I probably shouldn't because it's going to reveal a lot about me that maybe people didn't know. I'll go far. I'll probably go farther. But early in my coaching career, I, I had the challenge of trying to build a basketball program at a place where the most accomplished group in the school was known as the varsity singers they didn't have jv singers so go figure that one out but <laughs> but the varsity singers and and we always heard about how well they did at their competitions and why wouldn't we do as well and and they the people like the the the, the person that was in charge would you know good luck at your competition this week that's what that's what we would get from time good luck at your no i have a game right against an opponent you see, because when you go to your competition, you're going to go out there and do what you do, and somebody's going to tell you how good it looked. I'm quite convinced that as lousy as my athletes are, we're well coached. We are together. We are organized. Like, if I just went and ran my offense 5 on 0, and somebody told me how good it looked, we would be we would have right, a very go. good record. We would have a very good record. But, but I don't know how to term the word competition when you... You're not at a competition. You're at a judgment. See, that's my... Like, 
Sports are not judged. Figure skating is a judgment. Sports are not judged. It's not a competition. Gymnastics, God love them. Is it athletic? Do you need to be athletic as hell? Yes. Is it a sport? No. Like, I have to have the final say in whether I win or lose for it to be a sport. No one watches the AFC Championship game and goes, well, you know what? The Kansas City Chiefs played a hell of a lot better than the Bengals did for three quarters of this game, so they're going to the Super Bowl. That's not how sports work. Do you need to be athletic to be a figure skater? Yes, probably yes, more do. athletic than a lot of other sports. Baseball, but... <laughs> it's an athletic event. But it, and the, the argument people like, well, it's an Olympic sport. No, 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 these are the Olympic Games. These are the Olympic Games, all right? <laughs> figure skating is not a sport. Cheerleading is not a sport. Oh, oh, oh. I, oh, nobody... No, my, my wife loves me. She's not listening because she doesn't ever listen. So you're safe, at least cheer, in my house. Cheerleading is not a sport. <laughs> Saucy. Gymnastics is not a sport. Is bowling a sport? Yeah. I know there are those that don't think bowling's a sport, Ryan Staley. Bowling is a sport. If it's got a ball or it's a race and it's not judged, it's a sport. Done. It's that simple. If it's not judged, it's a sport for the most part. At Garrett Seawright. <laughs> That's it. I will argue with you if you want to say the Nathan's hot dog eating contest is not a sport. Eh, it probably is. It's not judged. It's a race. It's a race with a score total. Right. Give it to me. It's a sport. <laughs> but you know what's not? Figure skating. What do our voters say? 63% say yes. The figure skating is a sport, and it blows my mind. Damn it. You're ignorant about everything else in this area. <laughs> That's mean. <huh? laughs> but oh, 63% say yes. Well, the good news is we'll get to revisit these poll questions again later in the program when we get to wrap them up with some results at the end of the show. I mean, we'll see if your eloquent statement about sport and game and competition and contest, including mine, sways anyone's opinions. I do, I, I, again, I do have a challenge in my own mind of saying when I compete, it's, 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 there's somebody else out there that I'm competing with, right. and, and, and their will and my will are at odds, not their ability to perform and my ability to perform because in, in, in a sport I believe that my opponent is trying to impede my ability per, to perform now Correct. if you want if, if you wanted to let the other figure skater that's like you know next in line get out there and skate around while you're skating and make you be aware of where they are and maybe it becomes a little more competition based I don't know I, I shared the story from my early coaching career because I as a young guy I was 23 years old like I was really, really probably full of myself and, and hard to deal with. <laughs> I, I just didn't ever want to to hear that we were going to be compared to our varsity singers group because of how well they did in competition. And I'm thinking, if they'd have rolled up their sleeves and fought those people from Cary, they'd have probably <laughs> got their rear ends kicked. But, you know, that's what happened to us out there when we went on the court and played Crestview. Like they were just physically better than us. Right. If they'd have stayed at their end and ran their offense 5 on 0 we'd have stayed at ours end and run our, we'd have had a decent chance. We'd have had a reasonable chance if somebody just judged it and said how, how slick we looked and how well-timed things were and if they could, could create a point system for that. We'd have had a reasonable chance. We had none once you threw the ball up in the air and we had to go get it from each other. Like, we were toast. I don't know. Just just a very, very, very strong bias that I once had and I've worked oh. hard to overcome in the last... Oh, no, you shouldn't have, 20. though. You shouldn't have, though. <laughs> there are very few things that I could Billy Graham it. And I'm telling you, I could stand behind this pulpit all day and tell you how figure skating, cheerleading, and... Gymnastics are not sports. 
No, oh, you're gonna make some enemies. I don't care. That's <laughs> yeah, all right. Bring them on. I'll that's take good. them. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We do need to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout, and we'll come back and get back more into our high school basketball tournament talk because there's just a whole lot going on, and it starts on actually for some of our area, it starts on Friday, February 18th. Yep, that would be the Southwest District and the Central District too, probably Southwest District for sure. Yeah, and then in earnest for the rest of us, February 22nd, and runs until we get to Dayton for the state tournament, March 18th. <laughs> It's the best freaking time of the year. If we could get rid of this white crap on the ground, there'd be. I don't think you're. I don't think you're gonna. <laughs> It'll be here till we go to Dayton for the state tournament. But that's that's all right because it's tournament time. We're going to talk tournament time after this. Don Jenkins Dueler timeout. Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. Garrett, this is a two-hour show, my man. And as much as I would love to say, hey, we're going to spend the next two hours and we're just going to break down. We're going to go through Division One, the matchups where Lima Senior and Finley could be impacted by. We're going to go through Division. We can't do that. That's really not fair. Besides that, the Bengals are in the damn Super Bowl. We kind of got to do some stuff that with that are. a little bit. That's a big deal. So th- this is, you, you really can't do this justice. But we're going to take a, a hack at it here for the next 10 or, or 15 minutes or so. And, and do our best. And, and again, f- for most of our area schools, things really start in earnest on February 22nd. Now, that does not, I am not intending to, to exclude anyone when I say that because obviously in the Southwest, the, the Piqua district, which includes basically the Piqua sectional that bleeds into. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Piqua, Piqua district, district is this. There's just this. There's two sectionals at the Piqua, Piqua, at the Piqua site. So, Piqua. It, and and I, I'm assuming it's still the way it was when I was in Jackson Center in the early well, 2000s. You got to win three to get out yes. of Piqua. They they don't have district semifinals, right? They have right. sectional finals and then district finals. That's correct. Can sectional semi sectional final district final. Can I ask you, as a guy who coached in the Southwest District, why is there an insistence? on like if you get a high seed of playing that first night because i can't i I, you i'll tell you right now you're going to explain it to me and i'll be like that's the dumbest thing i've heard the only thing i'm going to explain to you is what was explained to me because i got down there and jackson center was not going to be very good i mean the job was open for a reason and i was coming from a place where we had struggled hard to go from not very good to pretty good to try and stay decent and then and then i had moved on and I just assumed everybody takes a bye. Why would you play more than you have to play? And down there, nobody takes a bye. It's really rare. And and the statement always was, hey, it's a different atmosphere. Pick was a different place. You want to get a game under your belt. You don't want to go play on the, on, on the first night that you play and have it be somebody else's second. So nobody took byes. I mean, none of the good teams. And I was like, well, I kind of hope we get one. Well, like, <laughs> you know yeah. Jackson Center is the number two seed in their sectional. They're playing the first night while number nine and Sonia has a bye. And I'm not, I, I guess, technically I am criticized. I, I just don't understand. Like, you can't lose a game you don't play. You can't get knocked out of the of a single elimination tournament if you don't play on Friday, February 18th. No, you cannot. And, and, I, and I would have made the same argument. And I'm not saying I ended up changing my philosophy. I really didn't. I think it really is a year-to-year thing. I mean, I remember in 1994 when Upper Side of Valley went on to win the state, Bill Elsall went to his guys and said, do you guys want to practice or you want to play? And they said, let's play. They, they did not take the bye. They played. And, and I, but I, I'm with you. I just said, I don't know how easy it's going to be to upset anybody, but I don't want to have to upset two of them. I'd rather have to upset one. And I didn't get a buy. Never happened. But they don't down there. And Central District's kind of the same way. They it was. I, just, I saw it on Twitter yesterday. It was surprising. It, it was literally 
tweeted out Kurt Stubbs. It was surprising the number of teams that were taking the bye. It's just it's it's bonkers to me. Seems that, bonkers to me as well. You you can't lose a game you don't play. Like Jackson Center is going to play Houston on Friday, February eighteenth, and you know what? Jackson Center can't be eliminated from the tournament if they don't play number eleven Houston. They can't lose that one either. Well, that's, that's fair. But how they're only number eleven, by the way. Whew. Anyway, uh, amen. Hey, I went down there one year with a two-win team when I was at Jackson Center. Went to the tournament draw and came away from it just super excited because I was playing a, a one-win or an Ofer uh, triad or Fairbanks. I can't I, triad. I think so. We played. They had no wins. We had two wins. I was like, yeah, yeah. We we did get a win. We got to move on to the second game. Whatever. I I don't. I've never really totally gotten my mind around it. I I understand what, the way they see it. That, that you can't lose a game you don't play, but it could make it so that you're less likely to win the second one because you aren't as prepared for the atmosphere. I, I, I don't know that I necessarily buy into that. But Jackson Center will be playing on Friday, February 18th against Houston, as will Lehman Catholic and Troy Christian. Uh, Fairlawn and Botkins will be playing on Saturday, February 19th. So that you know, those, those are the early starts in the Southwest District. So again, for us, most of it starts in earnest on February 22nd. But we'll start with, with the D1 deal because for us, that, that involves two of our area teams. And Lima Senior and Finley will both be playing on Saturday, February 26th. Uh, Lima Senior was the number one seed. They will play uh, essentially a one-game sectional against yeah. Toledo Waite. And if they beat Toledo Waite, they will play the winner of S- Toledo Start and... S- Sylvania Southview, Southview. Yep. and that will be uh, at Fostoria High School. That's 1 o'clock on Saturday the 26th. Lima Senior will play Wait, and Finley at that same hour, 1 o'clock on Saturday the 26th, will be playing uh, versus the Anthony Wayne Holland Springfield winner. So Finley had uh, a bye, so to speak. It's it's a different setup in Division One. They're, basically, you, it's one, it's the same thing. It's, it's one win gets you a sectional title, except for Holland Springfield and Anthony Wayne. And then they move on. So those will, they will both play on Saturday the 26th for their first tournament action. In our immediate area, there are an incredible number of games on the 22nd, 23rd. Yeah. Um, I'd like to walk you through all of them. I can't really do that because it would take a thousand years for me to back through everything. But just starting on February 22nd, just so we can kind of do this by division. That was Division One that we just touched on for Saturday the 26th. In Division Two. On February 22nd, the ONU District includes the Paulding High School sectional, and that is for, for Tuesday night. There's also games on Wednesday night in, in a separate sectional. The, the Paulding High School sectional that will be advancing to the ONU District is Napoleon versus Elida at 5.30 at Paulding High School and Shawnee versus Bryan at 7.30 at Paulding High School. The Napoleon-Elida winner will advance to take on number one seed Defiance on Friday the 25th. And the Shawnee Bryan winner at 7.30 on the 22nd will advance to take on the third-seeded Walpock Redskins also on Friday the 25th at 7.30. I, I think Bryan has no shot at beating Shawnee <laughs> whatsoever. And I feel bad about that because they got a good young coach. Brock Homeyer's I oh, think, yeah, Brock banging away and doing it, yeah. a good job. His dad's helping him out. And I saw him this summer. They're working really hard. Uh, the Napoleon, Napoleon's a six-seed. Elite is the 10-seed. That'll be an interesting matchup. Again, that is... Tuesday or Friday the twenty second, excuse me, Tuesday the twenty second to play Friday the twenty fifth in Division Three, the Lima Senior District. Uh, the sectional at the Elida Fieldhouse will have Riverdale, the thirteen seed, take on Coldwater, the twelve seed at seven o'clock. The winner of that game will play the first seed, Ottawa Glandorf, 
also on Friday, February 25th. And it'll be baseball season at Riverdale or Coldwater, <laughs> probably. Well, and, and see, like that is that snippet of that sectional is how a, a, a district tournament draw should be, right? The two lowest seeds in the district are going to play each other for the right to play the overwhelming number one overall seed. Like there is no, you know, four versus eight and the winner moves on to play number nine. That doesn't make any sense to me. That is how a sectional should be drawn up. Is 12 versus 13 gets to move on to play number one. I, I, I would would vote in favor of that for certain, but I, I, I'm glad guys get to choose their own route. And if some oh, guys want to play, they get I, to play. Yeah, I, I get, I'm, I'm all for choosing your route, but that is how the route should end up. <laughs> is the, yeah. the, the, the two worst teams are like, ah, oh, crap, I don't want to have to play them, but that's where, that's the only lines left. So you'll have Riverdale and Coldwater, Addie Lida at the Fieldhouse at 7 o'clock. On the 22nd, the winner advances to play Audible Glandorf at 5.30 on the 25th of February. The other sectional that makes up that district for, for Division Three is Miller City High School sectional Bath, the 7th seed, versus Paulding, the 10th seed. That's a 5.30 start. The winner is going to take on the 3rd seeded Bluffton Pirates at 5.30 on Friday, the 25th. And Fairview versus Tenora, the 9th seed versus the 11th seed. The winner of that one, that's a 7.30 start on the 22nd. The winner of that one will take on the 2nd seeded Wayne Trace Raiders at 7.30 on Friday, February 25th. John, if at some point the tournament draw doesn't look good for you, do you just look and say, all right, where's the closest we can be to home rather than what's our best path forward? I, I speak from experience. Because <laughs> at some point you're to like, a degree, where can I get beat closest to home? Not, not terribly long ago was faced with the decision of how to, and I didn't have a lot of choice because we were fairly low seed. It's an equally weighted, these two teams that we're playing are very similar or could play. The options that we have are pretty similar. It really is better for us if we don't go very far, win or lose, because our fans will travel better. It's a shorter trip in a midweek game. Mm -hmm. And if there's not a markedly different feel to your matchup, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say, yeah, the distance was, was a big factor for us. I mean, last year we were going to play New Bremen, or we, I think if it, if it had fallen right, we were looking at maybe New Bremen or, or Marion Local. I mean, it, there wasn't... Or, right, there's, you know, there, that's the same thing. It's flip a coin. <laughs> right, it's you know, same, I mean, it, it's, it's a little closer. Right, it's about, it's <laughs> you know, about eight and a half minutes closer. A little closer. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, or, or if we had been looking at Fort Recovery, then it would have, you know, maybe changed things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that it's wrong to say yeah the distance matters particularly if you don't feel like you've got a great matchup in either either game possibility yeah i think distance is a huge factor i just you look at um you know the nine the way the nine ten eleven shook out in that d3 lima district and um just interesting that you know some of those schools more northern schools were like ah we'll just play in miller city and Get our season over. Get our get our season over. <laughs> Let's put words in their mouth, but right. it but, makes but sense. I'll, Maybe yeah, that was also, the case. But this is what they were thinking. Uh, yeah, it just is interesting to me. Division that. four games also on the twenty second at Van Wert High School. Patrick Henry and Fort Jennings will square off at seven o'clock for the winner to get to play the number one seeded Crestview Knights at five thirty on the twenty fifth. In that same district, the Bluffton University sectional Kaleida and Corey Rawson at five thirty on the twenty second. The winner will play the third seeded Lipsick Vikings. At 5.30 on the 25th. And Delta St. John's versus Lincoln View at 7.30 on the 22nd. Same site, Bluffton University. 
Winner plays the second-seeded Columbus Grove Bulldogs at 7.30 on the 25th of February. And then your Division Four Walpock District, we already talked about. St. Henry will take on Ada at Coldwater High School, 7 o'clock tip-off there. The winner of that one will play the first seed, New Bremen, on the 25th at 5.30. And at St. Mary's, the other sectional that makes up the Walpock District, Upper Sioux Valley, the 5 seed versus Waynesfield Goshen, the 11 seed, 7 p.m. tip again there. And the winner plays the second-seeded Spencerville Bearcats on the 25th. And that one's a 5.30 start as well. So both of those sectionals, the St. Mary's sectional and the Coldwater sectional, have Wednesday games then as well, and we can talk more about yeah, they got the, the rest of that. So Tuesday standalone, one, then two Tuesday on. standalone, two on Wednesday. Tuesday standalone, two on Wednesday. And that's 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 the way it exists in the Division IV uh, Elida District at Van Wert High School, that's sectional, and it's the same thing in the Division Four Walpock District at both Coldwater High School and St. Mary's High School. We'll be breaking down the, the matchups as we go forward. It's an incredibly exciting time because I wasn't sure when the year started, other than Audible Glendorf, who I thought might be teams that could make pretty deep runs in the tournament. We got a bunch of them that I think can, a bunch of them, but they all are going to have to play each other. <laughs> well, and that's the, like, can New Bremen play in a regional final and make it to state? Yes. They have to get by Marion local, either USV, Spencerville, probably Perry, to do it. Can Perry play in a regional final? Probably. Certainly. They got to get past Spencerville, USV, Marion local, New Bremen, New Bremen. St. Henry, potentially. It, it's a it's a long road. It's a long road. Well, you could say the same things for the the, the Groves, the Lipsicks, the Crestviews. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. they, they've all got routes that are going to, and what we, we will spend more time over the next couple of weeks getting a little more involved in each of those brackets and how things play out. Um, it's going to be incredibly exciting. It's going to be incredibly disappointing for some teams, but it's going to be a thrilling ride, and we're going to try to bring you as much of it as we can, covering our local teams. I can tell you, it sounds like to me right now, we already know we're going to be bringing you the Elida. Yeah, Is that I right? think, we're I think bring- we feel pretty confident that we're going to be doing Napoleon versus Elida and Shawnee versus Brian on Tuesday the 22nd from Paulding. So feel good about that raise your hand if you're going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning on that morning and drive to <laughs> bell fountain so that you can drive to lima so that you can drive to paulding so that you can drive back home <laughs> i mean you, you might only have to drive to i mean we can meet in van worth and i'll i'll pick you up okay. sounds like, <laughs> like a plan i haven't been in the fan car all year yet we can get you in the fan car get you in van worth drop you off at the mcdonald's <laughs> subway for me thanks well yeah <laughs> and go from there Oh, so it is tournament time. Nothing more exciting. I, I These coaches that have to wrap up a regular season with some things still on the line and be planning for the tournaments. I, who am I kidding? I kind of miss it. <laughs> I miss the adrenaline. Miss I miss sitting the, in that room yesterday. I miss the overwhelmed feeling of there's, we can't get all this done exactly the way we want to, but but then that becomes the challenge. You, you don't want to miss anything. You want everything to be prepared for. And uh, obviously you want your team playing well. We got a whole bunch of teams playing really well. By the way, we didn't touch on it, but the Shawnee win over Botkins on Saturday. Good win. If I saw things correctly, Garrett, I believe Botkins scored 44 points in the first half and 10, 10 in the second half against Shawnee. That's a, that's a nice defensive effort there by the Indians. Well, it was on the last play. Cause that it was. They, they managed to get a turnover, get a steal, and our man Brady Wheeler got a bucket right before the buzzer in transition. Uh I don't know why I thought about that. That just was, I mean, for a half, Botkins looked like as unbeatable a basketball team as you could have. 44 points in a half of a high school game. We saw OG get 47 on Friday night in a half, and I didn't think that anybody could come close to that. And 
Botkins was right there. It was funny. I got was communicating with a guy from Botkins over the weekend. He's like, "Yeah, for the first half, man, we looked like a team that couldn't couldn't lose. In the second half, we looked like anybody could beat us." God bless high school kids. He said. <laughs> <laughs> that was his text to me. I said, okay, that's about right. At least when you're not coaching them, you can feel that way. we got to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. High school basketball tournament time is here. We will be spending time on it over the, the next several days and, and in the coming weeks as we build towards sectional start. But we're going to go ahead and take our time. When we come back, we're going to have a short segment. We're going to talk about the Cavs making a trade. Join us for that on the other side of this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. I'm John Cook. He's Garrett Seawright. Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. My, my man, this first hour is getting away from us. Yeah. This happened really, really quick. I wanted to touch base on the Cleveland Cavaliers making a trade. It was it was assumed that they would be one of the most active teams at the trade deadline. The deadline isn't until uh, Thursday of this week. They went ahead and made their trade over the weekend. They have acquired Karis Levert. And again, the understanding is as brutally bad as it is for them to lose Ricky Rubio to the injury that they did. It works out well because he's got an expiring contract, and if you want to make a move, you can move that expiring contract because even though he's not going to get on the court, teams love expiring contracts and freedom that it gives them under the salary cap. So Ricky Rubio is headed to the Pacers, and they'll never play. They get the expiring contract. Uh, they also The Pacers also got a two second-round picks. Yes. Is that right? And a protected like, first-round pick? So it was 2022 second-round pick and a 2027 second-round pick. You know, and a lottery protected first round pick, yeah. but I don't remember what year that one was. It was this year. This year. This year. This, lottery this protected, year. which yep. it won't be a lottery pick because obviously right. they're not going to be in the lottery. I, I don't know. I had hoped for something a little more exciting to me. I love Karis Levert. I really do. I love the guy. He's Ohio native. It's a great story for him to get to come back to Ohio to play. And he does fill a need. The Cavaliers, if I saw the stats correctly, are 29th in the league in points generated at the rim. Off the off the you know guys getting to the basket, 29th in the league in perimeter players get. I mean they stat the crap out of everything, and they can tell you that the Cavs are 29th in the league in in points produced at the rim. That's a problem. I would have hoped they would have been able to acquire a wing with a little more size. They did need help on the wing. Karis Levert is a wing scorer. He's also a very creative scorer, a guy that can go get his own, which they have lacked a little bit of. Playing without Darius Garland has really revealed some things about this team. So Karis Levert is a guy that, that fills a need. I, I, I just had hoped that there might... I, I really like the Eric Gordon possibility. A little bit more size, pretty good defender. Um, also can get to the basket. Levert's good, don't get me wrong. He just dropped 42 last weekend, and if that's what he's going to be in spots, we'll take it. He's about an 18.5, 19-point-a-game scorer. The Cavs needed some help on the wing. They got help on the wing. Does it mean they're done? I don't know. I don't know what it means. But they are a, continue to be an incredibly fun watch. But without Darius Garland, they have had games against some of the lower-level teams in the league, and they have struggled mightily in those games struggled mightily whether it's New Orleans, Charlotte, the the who they have the loss to last week that was just mind-blowing to me but they've played four straight games against including the Houston Rockets who who gave them a loss. Four straight games against teams at the bottom of the NBA and they got two wins, they lost two of them and both wins they had to pull out in the fourth quarter. Um take them. They're wins. You take them, you don't have to apologize for them. They remain I think a game and a half uh, off the the pace as the, to be the leader in the Eastern Conference, which is also phenomenal. But the hope is that this acquisition gets them to a place that they've they've basically answered for a weakness, given themselves an extra asset to provide them something that they didn't have before. And when they get Darius Garland healthy, they're going to have some more depth in the backcourt again. They're going to have another scorer. 
I'm assuming that he'll come off the bench, but I absolutely love uh, the fact that they can be a player in this. They're not a seller. Uh, they're a buyer. I don't know if they're if they're done. Likely they are because they probably don't want to mess with the chemistry on this team too much. But there may be more moves to be made before Thursday, and we will keep you posted on those. I am pulling like crazy for the Cavaliers to make a deep playoff run. And I don't know what deep playoff run means anymore. Win a round at least, right? And get give yourself a chance. Yeah, give yourself a chance to compete to get to the Eastern Conference Finals with this team. They they would be considered to be well ahead of schedule, and I will absolutely take it. Time for another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we will get a quick reset on our Twitter poll questions, and we will revisit our Monday's headlines from Friday. John Cook and Garrett Seawright with you. Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. And hour number two here on Cookie and the Monster. John Cook, Garrett C. right with you here on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. We are Cookie and the Monster. It's the top of hour number two, which means we're going to reset real quickly our Twitter poll questions before we get back to our Monday's headlines from Friday revisited. We got three questions up at 93.1 The Fan on Twitter. John, that you can vote on until 545. The first question is did you watch the Pro Bowl yesterday? And 90% say no. No, they didn't. And you think those people are liars. You're, I think somebody's lying, but you're better off for it if you didn't watch <laughs> it. You are, you are ahead of the game. I did not catch the Pro Bowl yesterday. Caught enough of it to know I'm not catching any more ever. <laughs> I'll watch a movie, which is what I ended up doing most of the day anyway with my family. But I, I, I'll just post. What was on the docket yesterday? Get some Encanto. Yeah, you. Bing, 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 bing. We bing. don't That's talk a, about Bruno. Well, see, I, I did not know the movie. I am out of touch. I don't care. But <laughs> it, it is, it is on my wife's car. The music, and oh, the, gotcha. and the, gotcha. the twins are in the back seat screaming for. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno until she puts it on, and then they sing it. Okay, it sounds okay. like it sounds like a movie soundtrack to me. And the stepson says, when we get home, this was yesterday afternoon, right after we get lunch, we go to Walmart, pick a few things up. When we get home, can we watch that movie? Well, fortunately, they forgot for a big chunk of the early afternoon. So I got to watch the end of the Buckeyes and, and some nap time in there a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I come back in the room, and it's like, the Pro Bowl is just about over. I've seen two or three segments of it. I really don't want to watch it again. And then somebody grabbed it and, and switched from the direct TV to the – you know, we're getting into the fire stick now, and we're, and I'm like, oh yeah, is it in Kanto? Is that how you say yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. So I didn't really pay terrific attention. Um, we watched it, and it was better than the Pro Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> and it was not even remotely close to having worth having a conversation about whether or not it was. It was better than the Pro Bowl, definitively, definitively better than the Pro yeah, Bowl. Yeah, if you made that a poll question, it would be a hundred percent vote. <laughs> is Encanto better than the Pro Bowl? Yes. No one's allowed to vote no. In fact, yes is the only option. Yes and hell yes are your two choices. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I didn't miss much yesterday. It's the moral of the story. No, no. Uh, we're also asking if you were an NFL player, where would you hope the Pro Bowl was? 57% say Hawaii. And our final poll question, is figure, sport, is figure skating a sport? 60% say yes. What was it? I don't remember what it, it was, was earlier. 64. 64%. Uh, yeah. Well, you're, so we're you're, down impa- you're impassioned. Argument and somebody was like, hey, what about the college football playoff? First of all, if you think I'm going to defend the college football playoff, not going to happen. Secondly, that's not, not – yes, that's flawed. I, but that's just a way to decide a champion. That's not saying college football is not a sport because the college football playoff sucks. It's a way to decide who gets to compete for the championship. You don't decide the champion. We used to right. do that before we had – we used to have a <laughs> poll that told you who the champion was. And nobody liked it. And there was a reason that nobody liked it. And yet, 
Nobody did anything about it for 100 years, 140 years. The money um, wasn't big enough, I guess. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Well, how are we going to make more money doing it, you know, the way every other sport does it? I don't know. We can't figure that out for 140 years. <sighs> Just dumb. People are stupid. But uh, yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm in full-on camp of, no, figure skating is not a sport, cheerleading, gymnastics. Um, trying to think of what else is judged. Like the like the X Games stuff, like right? Tony Hawk, awesome skateboarder. So yeah, is he playing a sport? No. If there was a race down the half pipe or something, yeah, sure. It's not a sport. It's not even racing. Well, sort of racing a clock. It's got to finish within yeah. a certain amount of time. <laughs> we can do better. Oh, well, certainly, most certainly, we can. We so, can do better. Do, do we have to? Uh, do we have to do Monday's headlines? Yeah, I was on such a roll. Because I, I went one for four. I don't... Did which, I? Yeah, I went one. Yeah, for, we I think got, I went we got, one We each got four. one. I actually had five, just to cover myself, because I knew I was going to be miserably <laughs> bad. I said NFC wins, and it breaks the AFC dominance in the Pro Bowl. I, I didn't care when I made that prediction. Right. In fact, I was convinced they were going to continue their own dominance. I couldn't have told you who was the... I, <laughs> I, I just said I didn't know they were being dominated. I just said NFC's going to win, and of course they didn't. I I had NFC tops AFC and Pro Bowl thriller. I would think that forty one thirty five would be a Pro Bowl thriller. Well, the last time I saw the score, it was like forty one to nineteen or something. So maybe it was, but the AFC won, so I'm zero for one there. Yes, zero for one each. I said Major League Baseball postponed spring training to March fifteenth. I had pitchers and catchers won't report. They've not made such an announcement. They have not. What the, the hell they're waiting on? I don't know. Apparently, the U.S. Secretary of Labor, the top guy of the Labor Department. Do we know, who, do we know that person's name? I don't. No, and I I'm, used to teach I'm, government. I'm certain I have no idea. You could tell me that uh, his name was Adam Levine, the lead singer of Maroon 5, and I believe you. Um, I'll look up the Department of Labor Secretary. We don't have to look that up. But he did have a quote. He said, I will help like Major League Baseball, Marty Walsh, which sounds like the most generic name of a government official you could. Well, find. if you're going to be Secretary of Labor, shouldn't you be like T. Martin Walsh? You would think. Nope. Just throwing that out there, Marty. That's my buddy Marty Walsh. He did cake stand back in 86 back at Johnny Hopkins. <laughs> and we're blazing that thing up. Class uh, things up a little bit, Marty. Come on now. <laughs> Marty Walsh. Um, he said, hey, if you guys want my help, I'll help you. <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't think either side has taken him up on that. But no. the Secretary of Labor is like, hey, you guys want to get your bleep together? And they're like, nah, we're good. We don't want a mediator, so why all, all the Secretary of Labor is is a really, really high-profile mediator. The player of the union already said no mediator, thanks. So no announcement out yet. we got to get that one wrong. It's going to be a Monday's headline at some point, maybe a Tuesday headline or a Wednesday headline. Yeah. I don't know, but it's coming. <laughs> it is coming for sure. I did say that Duke dominates Carolina and Coach K's farewell at the Dean Dome. And that was a dominant. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> that was dominance. I did not realize. We, we talk often on here about when I, when I look at teams – I understand ups and downs are going to happen, so I want to know how good is your good. I didn't know that Carolina's bad could be quite so bad. Bad. Carolina's bad. I feel bad for Hubert Davis. Nice guy from everything I hear. One of the nicest people in the business. Uh, but <laughs> he's, probably he, he was the guy head. they said that, that Dean Smith never cussed. He just hired Eddie Fogler to do it for him. When Hubert Davis did the same thing, he took the Carolina job, and then he hired Jeff Lebo to cuss for him. Hubert's a good guy, but they are bad. And Duke just absolutely tore him apart. Was it? It ended up twenty, right? Something like that. But it was, 
it was like 30 in the first half. Well, right? I, I, I had things to do and was at games and out and about. I got back and I was trying to check because I you know, DVR is going to record it. It's a Carolina game. I record. Oh, did not get myself. I, I talked myself out of that one almost as quickly as I did the Pro Bowl. It was so bad. So, but I got it, was it right. Eighty-seven, sixty-seven yeah. was the final score. It was eighty-seven points. It was only eleven at the halftime break, but there was a point there where it was like, was it thirty-one to eight or something like that? I think that's what I remember was, saying. Yeah, I can go ahead and delete was, this one. It was bad, but I did get that one right. And Duke was the fa- Duke was the favorite by four. It won by twenty. Things are going right for you there. Yes, uh, I had uh, Buckeyes top terps. I didn't think Maryland wasn't just going to just wasn't going to show up like they were going through the motions on a Sunday afternoon in February, but they were uninterested in playing basketball yesterday. John, they, they seem to be, and it, and it really <laughs> foiled my my headline that I'm going to go ahead. And I got it right from the standpoint of I had the right side. I said basketball Buckeyes struggle uh, and pull out win over Terps. They didn't struggle really at all. <laughs> Maryland was, as you said, they just weren't real particularly interested in being there. And they didn't hide it, really, either. They were just... And it's bad. I mean, interim coaches are are basically put in place to be fired, but I really didn't want to see Danny Manning get fired, and he's probably going to. Not fired. He's just going to not be retained as the head coach at the University of Maryland, and that'll be an interesting job to see how it gets filled in spring. And I did go ahead and choose one other headline so I could make myself three and two on the weekend. Instead of instead of two and two, I said Lima Land Hoops dominates at the OG Winter Classic. Well, didn't know that Lakota East was just going to nope out of that bad boy. Yep. So we're going to give Lima Senior a win there. I, I think we should. I <laughs> Lakota think we should. East didn't show, but there were two games that got played instead of three. And Antwerp was a six point winner, I believe, sixty one fifty five, like that. Yeah. Over Dayton Dunbar, that's a Division two Dayton Dunbar right. squad and a Division four Antwerp squad, and Antwerp got the win. I, that qualifies. We're now going to give the archers credit for that. And then, if you did not see the end of the Otto Glandorf and Harvest Prep game, you're not alone. I took time during the break off air to walk over and, and have Garrett pull it up so that I could see it. Colin White scores just before the buzzer to give Ottawa Glandorf a two point win over Harvest Prep. That's the number four team in Division Three against the number five team in Division Three in the state of Ohio. I would venture to say it's very possible that that's not the last time we will see those two teams play one another this season. And I, for one, am hopeful <laughs> that that might be the case. Uh, Colin White, by the way, is spectacular. And hats off to, to Tyson McLaughlin because it's been said in in like writing circles that good writers borrow from other writers, great writers steal from them outright. <laughs> coaches are the same way. Good coaches borrow from other coaches. Great coaches steal from them outright. If you haven't seen the final play of the game, Tyson McLaughlin ran a sideline out-of-bounds play that Brad Stevens made famous, and everybody in the world has seen it over and over and over again. But you still got to execute that bad boy because it's not an easy play to execute. A little box set side out. They get a, a back screen and throw the ball cross-court. And then there's another rescreen coming at the top, and you got a couple options. And Colin White got that ball, maybe used his left arm as a chicken wing to kind of create space and dust that kid from from, from Harvest, Harvest Prep. Prep. But uh, he got to the rim, laid it in, scored. Out of Glendorf got the win. And when you turn around after a Friday night performance, the way they played against Shawnee, and you got to get back on the court less than 24 hours and play a team the caliber of Harvest Prep, give Auto Glendorf all kinds of credit and give me three wins and two losses in my Monday's headlines today. I, had, I took a fifth one. I had one final. Auburn Bridges. Harson fired after inappropriate relationship with Stafford. Now, he hasn't been fired, but there was an even dumber quote today by uh, their president that basically says, we're, we're trying to find a way to not have to pay this, dude. Uh, and i got to find the exact quote. But uh, by many accounts, 
there are those saying this is an absolute embarrassment for Auburn the way that they're handling it. Uh, and I, if I could find the exact quote, I will. But look, if, basically, if, the president was like, "We're, we're still, we're still doing all of our due diligence, and uh, we're, we're searching this out." Yeah, they're right. finding they're they're finding a way to get it done without owing the guy money. Yeah, and because he's owed eighteen million dollars, and they're like, "Ah, I really don't want to pay you that." How much of the eighteen million would you settle for if you just said, "I'll walk away right now if you give me X. give me half, give me half." Nine million, you can afford it. I know you can. I'd say give me six. I'd take a third. Give me six. Because that's still odd money, man. That's Auburn's odd. got people waiting that could write him a check for six million dollars because they've already written checks to cover up the other stuff that's gone on at Auburn University in the last five years. That's uh, I there's people that could do it. I, I don't like to see coaches get fired, but this guy has apparently demonstrated that maybe there's uh, attaching his uh, himself to an uh, institution of higher learning might might be. For for instance, uh, his defensive coordinator Derek Mason uh, left Auburn to go to Oklahoma State, and is taking a four hundred thousand dollar a year pay cut to get out of there. Well, then they've had like All twenty right. some players leave, yeah. and four it's, assistants. It, th- things aren't things aren't well at Auburn. I thought he'd be fired by Monday. He is not. Give me till Thursday at the latest. Another Don Jenkins jeweler timeout. We'll do a little football five fifteen after this on Lima Sports Radio ninety three one The Fan. Garrett, let's do a little football at 515. And Service Master at your service welcomes you to football at 515. Hard work, determination, and sportsmanship create opportunities to be your best. Like Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win, but it's the will to prepare to win that makes a difference. And that's why Service Master, they don't cut corners. They clean them. The Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know that we can say that enough. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to play in Super Bowl 56 on Sunday. Pre-game coverage begins here at 2 on Sunday on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. And with the extra media availability and all of that fun stuff, um, a, a clip of Joe Burrow is going viral, and I, I think this is awesome. Joe Burrow was asked his advice to younger kids about how to get better, etc. And this was Joe Burrow's response. I, I think it's awesome. Focus on getting better. Focus on, you know, not... Don't don't have a workout and go and post it on Instagram the next day and then go and sit on your butt for four days and everyone thinks you're working hard, but you're really not. You know, work in silence. Don't don't show everybody what you're doing. You know, let your let your your game on Friday nights and Saturday nights and Sunday nights show all the hard work that you put in. Don't worry about you know all that social media stuff. Right. Focus on getting better. Is that like he's already the coolest dude on the planet. And he's like work in silence i i dig it unbel like you could not believe how, how much i enjoy that that 25 seconds of him i'm looking for a reason not to like joe burrow i've been looking since he transferred out of columbus looking for a reason not to like joe burrow i did i did hear a quote from burrow over the weekend that it's not where you start it's where you finish and he doesn't know why people in ohio state want to keep claiming him thought that was a strong statement but i will say what what makes burrow appealing to me is that he he demonstrates that you can have a supreme level of confidence bordering on swagger and still have the right mindset about how to get there he's not a diva he no. has a great level of confidence he can border on cocky he believes in himself strongly but he doesn't necessarily need to sell you that bill of goods. He doesn't need to cram that down your throat because he is going to go work in silence. He is going to go get better. He is going to be a great teammate. He is going to be a fantastic leader. 
And most of the guys who have the swag that he has can't demonstrate to you that they are a great teammate or that they are a good leader or that they have a grasp of what it means to be work first. And I just I keep looking for a reason not to like the guy. Now, here's what I know. There's been a handful, handful and a half of people in my lifetime that I've said that about, and when they fall, they fall really hard. That's true. Because that's how, that's how uh, celebrity works in this country and in this world. But I just can't quit rooting for the guy. I cannot quit rooting for the guy. And that, I had not heard that until yeah. you played it. I hope kids listen. I hope oh, they do. It, it, they should, because that's, that is one quality advice. But two, it's coming from a guy that has, has proven that he's he, he does those things. When he went down with his injury last year, nobody heard a, a peep from him until nope. it was... Like, basically, until their uniforms got revealed and we saw the scar on his knee. There was no, oh, Joe Burrow's progressing very well. It should be back in camp. Like, there was none of that. It was legitimate questions coming into training camp of, is he going to be able to, is he going to be able to go? Because he, he wasn't out there tooting his own horn, thumping his own chest, and tell everybody how great he was. Such a likable dude. He I, is. And, and, and like he's impressive in a lot of different ways in a lot of different areas. Like he's, he's a young dude who gets it. It's a very uncommon characteristic to have as an athlete, maybe as a human, but as an athlete to have a characteristic that, that makes you both clearly different than me, but damn, I can relate to that guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just not sh- We shouldn't be able to and, look and at he, that guy play football and be like, I, I, I can I can see where that guy's coming from. He's a, he's a one percenter that I can relate to. And that's an incredibly uncommon yeah. characteristic or trait to carry around. And it makes him, one, likable. It makes him, two, easy to root for. But I think it makes him, three, uh, an absolutely top-notch leader. Because of all the things that en- that encompass who he is... There's nobody that he's going to play for or with that he can't connect to and relate to and build relationship with, and I think that is incredibly rare, and I think it means that the ceiling for him and for his franchise is maybe higher than we realize. A hundred percent, and I, I think that's part of the the excitement and part of the interest and intrigue about this Super Bowl is, are you, are you just getting started, or are you is this your, your one shot? I don't know. I, I don't know which I, way I, I can lean tell on. you. I can tell you where most of the general public yeah, leans on that. Yeah. And I, We're I, just getting started I, here. I think I'm in that camp, too. And, and I, as much as it... I just hope it's not incorrect. I, whatever he's going to... I, I hope that... I, I want to see that I guy not, succeed for a yeah, long time. I do not want to see a Dan Marino career right, unfold right. for this guy. Not that the numbers wouldn't be spectacular. Right, they would be. But, but this guy needs to be relevant and competing for championships and, and, and having those opportunities because he is so just damn easy to root for. Yep. Going to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout in uh, Super Bowl week. Bengals are in. We've talked about Woo. Burrow and everything else, but a little, is it Who Daily? Who Daily. Who Daily. Each day, little visit, little chat, conversation, centered around our Bengals. We're going to be back and have that conversation with Ben Baby of ESPN after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout on Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. Back inside the basement, Dr. Studio. We're cooking the monsters, presented by Lewis Family McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com. Where you can work today and get paid tomorrow. That's Lewis Family McDonald's. We have production around Who Daily. Uh, we we don't. Um, I, I can say 
It's Who Daily, brought to you by Lee Kinsel GM Sales and Service on West Durban Road in Van Wert. Check them out online at LeeKinsel.com. That wasn't bad. Yeah, we can... That wasn't bad. Bengals in the Super Bowl. Daily yeah. feature focusing on the Bengals this week. We had said Ben Baby from ESPN would be joining us, and then we got a text in about 30 seconds after I made that announcement that he was not available <laughs> at his scheduled time. Well, and I, I get it. It's, what, 225? Two thirty, West Coast time. Right. There's probably this is probably like legit time that they're doing stuff. Um, but I did say Eastern Standard Time when I sent a text message, so I made myself clear, John. And we, we got a yes. I will be available at five twenty five, and then at five twenty one twenty two, we got a text that was oh, no, you I'm made not available. Your t- you, you made, made your, your time. time. Yeah, that's yeah. Probably not going to work for me. That's what Eastern Time means. <laughs> we'll try again. We'll try again. But we but we do have some some sound. We to, do to commemorate and begin the week as we start to hone in on the Bengals and their task of trying to win their first franchise Super Bowl in history. Those of us who are old enough to have remembered the two losses will will glean a lot more benefit, I think, from the wins. Although, if you've never actually seen the Bengals be good enough to get to Super Bowl, maybe it's tough to glean more from a potential Super Bowl win than you would get if all you've ever seen <laughs> is the abject disgust that's been Bengals football for the last twenty five years. I mean, we can do the, years. do the whole rundown the gamut of. What would have happened if the Bengals win Super Bowl? Was that twenty-five? I don't even remember the numbers. Super Bowl XXXXV. I, I want. I want to hear. I, I would hope. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna task you with this, since, or unless you want to come down to where I work and suspend kids and deal with girl drama all day. I'll, I. I want some sound from Akili Smith. Somebody out there somewhere has got to get some sound from Akili Smith. I'll see if we can't track down well, Akili Smith about the about the Bengals and their their success and of course Carson Palmer will be on the Dan Patrick show so we'll get to hear from him he said he is definitely rooting for the Bengals well by, by the way is there a is there a city that has been traumatized by lower leg injuries more than Cincinnati Carson Palmer Kenyon Martin Joe Burrow Tim Crumrine Tim Crumrine <laughs> <laughs> the lower leg area not great not not great for Cincinnati so what's what's our what's our sound for today? So we've got Joe Burrow Sr. Who I think this is awesome that so what Joe Joe Burrow Jr. is twenty five years old and his high school football stadium is named after him. That's like that's a flex. It is a bit, yeah. <laughs> you know how many dudes in the NFL have their high school football stadium named after him? Probably ah, and it's Joe Burrow. I'm going to just go ahead and be the, the political guy that I don't like to be, but Guy Neal's been the head basketball coach at Bluffton University a lot longer than Joe Burrow's been alive, and they haven't named a court at Bluffton University after him yet. But that's just but that's, that's Joe, a me thing. Joe Burrow Stadium on the plains at Athens High School. Uh, but but his dad was asked, what would a Super Bowl mean to, to Southeast Ohio? And, and he had this to say. We'll have something here, that's for sure. I mean, there's so many people in uh, Athens and Southeast Ohio that, that – uh, have supported Joe since uh, since high school, and and now he's on the biggest stage. Uh, we continue to raise money for the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund. There's been over fifty five thousand donated just in the last few weeks because of uh, the playoff run and 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 Joe's visibility on on all the uh, TV. And that money comes from everywhere too, so that's a great thing. Uh, but we're definitely uh, would have have some. Uh, parades around town uh we, we've been we've really already had one planned uh, uh last year because of the naming the joe burrow stadium uh, uh, after joe and 
COVID hit, we haven't been able to do it. So now we'll just triple the size of it, right? <laughs> I, I think that's great. But also, I don't know. Is Joe Burrow the only Heisman Trophy acceptance speech you can ever remember anything actually, like anybody saying anything in? I, I certainly think so. Like, I mean, I remember Robert Griffin III socks more than I remember his speech. <laughs> but And I remember when... Sam Bradford won. Billy Sims was drunk in the back screaming <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> Boomer! <laughs> I, I, Boomer! I, I mean, I, I don't remember anything about what, but, but I remember his speech. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I wanted to hear it again. I don't know that oh, I've ever said that about a, a Heisman acceptance I'm speech. not sure how many speeches, period, I've ever thought. Although, I want to hear it again. as a young buck, you won't know this, Google it. John Capaletti's Heisman acceptance speech at Penn State in 1973. Yeah. Have you heard that speech? No. Got to check that one out. Got to check right. that one out. Not maybe but, not as impactful as Joe Burrow's on any level of community, but it's a, it's a very personal s- story and very family related to his. It, it's it'll make you cry if you're human. But Joe Burrow won the 2019 Heisman Trophy, and in 2022, people are still donating to the food bank that he mentioned in yeah. his Heisman Trophy speech. Two years ago, fifty-five thousand dollars worth, just recently. That's bananas to me. It to one, to me. what that means, what that means to that area, but then to remember back in the twenty twenty draft when there was the discussion in the scuttlebutt of is Joe Burrow going to pull an Eli Manning, and is Joe Burrow going to tell the Bengals you can draft me, but I ain't going to play there. That was not long ago. I remember the conversation. I do. I also remember talking about Joe having small hands. Seemed to work well for Joe. It's really made his career adjustment to the NFL quarterbacking yeah. situation a tough one. He's yeah, yes, it ha- yes it has behind the curve, I guess. So this is Who Daily, brought to you by Lee Kinsel, GM Sales and Service on West Urban Road and Van Wert. Every day this week at five twenty-five, we're going to be chatting, hopefully, with uh, former <laughs> Bengals players, Bengals reporters, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get a preview of Super Bowl Fifty-Six every day right here on fi- at five twenty-five on Cookie and a Monster here on Live with Sports Radio ninety-three-one The Fan. And we got Dave Lappinor, all right. We we are ninety eight percent confirmed for Dave Lappinor. And we're gonna we're gonna make sure he understands and, Eastern Standard. <laughs> I get it. I get it. You 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 used to operate on Eastern Time, and now you're not. We got a little more sound though. We got we, we got former Bengal player Takio Spikes, who was the was Takio Spikes maybe outside of Justin Smith, the lone bright spot for the Bengals for I don't know five to eight seasons yeah. where he where yeah. it was like you spent a lot of time questioning whether uh those Bengals players from the early 2000s were worth a damn but you never really had that question about the Keo Spikes the Keo Spikes became the league-wide guy that people said boy it'd be nice if he got to play somewhere where he had a chance to really really make it pay off and, yeah. and have a chance because because he didn't have to take a backseat to anybody no, that it was abundantly clear that, okay, those guys suck, but that dude, <laughs> that dude can play. And he was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning. And, and it, remember, he was with the Cincinnati Bengals from 1998 to 2002. So, man, he saw some years. Yes, he did. <laughs> he saw some years with the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not sure what the uh, what the win-loss total was, but when, like, Dick LeBeau was the head coach. Uh I'll pull it up here. Uh they were three and thirteen, four and twelve, four and twelve, six and ten and two and fourteen in Takeo Spikes 
tenure with the Bengals. And he was asked what it's been like to, to watch them this year make it to the Super Bowl, and he had this to say. It's been amazing. It's, it's really been amazing. And um, the more and more I think about it, I remember sitting down watching the just following the Bengals throughout the entire year. And in playoff times, I was very impressed. But to see what they've been able to do, especially against Tennessee on the road, and to continue making plays throughout desperate, desperation times, I felt like when they won, when they, after they won the AFC championship, I felt like I had been pardoned. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's that's a big feeling to feel, right? Like I, he felt like he had been pardoned by the Cincinnati Bengals because I, th- those were some dark, dark di- times. Well, and, and the one good thing, I guess, it is about the two week long layoff and and you know the bye week and the the extra build up to the Super Bowl. My hope is legitimately and sincerely my hope is that there will be some media attention paid to guys like Takeo spikes that we'll get to hear from them we'll get and, and more importantly not just hear from them but get an opportunity to remember who they were as players because it's there's no reason for a generation of football fans to have any idea who Takeo spikes was oh, as yeah. a player no matter how talented he was there was no level of, I mean you just said it six and ten. Was, was the high was water right, mark was was banner year six and ten was the high water mark in his time and he was an outstanding football player and he was never a guy that 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 I recall now somebody can tweet at us and, and or call the show if I, I blow this completely I don't he never acted like a diva he never made it about him he never created a negative headline for Cincinnati I mean they were pretty good at it themselves but he didn't create distraction he just played football at a really high level when no one else around him was really playing football at any kind of level at least by comparison to other NFL teams and I'm I'm glad we're getting to hear from Takeo Spikes I hope we get to see highlights I hope we get to hear other people talk about him as a football player because we've got this extra time and and there, there's some benefit to that that's one one of the reasons I'm looking forward to talking to a guy like Dave Lapham because he'll be able to speak to some of that right we're, about those guys that were incredibly unappreciated or at least underappreciated for what they did in a time when being a Bengal was not anything to really be well, proud about. And, and Joe Burrow said, you know, hey, we're doing this for for people. When, he said, when I was a kid, it was if you were a Bengals fan, you were mocked. You were a laughing stock to kids in <laughs> Athens, Ohio. That, hey, you you are. Is that, is that the text from? I didn't read the other one. I got one okay. you didn't get. Okay. <laughs> uh, I got a text from WOSN's Danny Holbrook that said, Bengals suck, Browns rule, go Cleveland. All right. That is that is insightful commentary, Danny from Roundhead. Uh, that, that just in case we forgot the, the the deep roots of most of the fan base oh, that we no. cater to on this radio station, See, we have been reminded. Is, is Dan? I think Danny's in the minority though of folks who are rooting against the Bengals, right? I think I think Browns fans are, oh, yeah, yeah. are somewhat still rooting for are rooting for the Bengals. I think. Maybe closetly. I, 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 well, I, we we talked on Saturday on Sports Wrap that one of the guys that, that was on said one of his buddies said I have rooted, I have rooted for two things. I have rooted against two things this entire postseason: the Bengals and OBJ, <laughs> and that's who's in the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, that should uh, that should do it. Oh, uh, I got I'm rooting for the Bengals hard. I'm, I'm too hard. I'm, I am all like, in. I want Matt Stafford to throw for 600 yards. And lose like forty nine, forty eight. 
if we could sign up for that right now and you can tell me that the halftime show is going to be as good as I think it's going to be, I'll take all of that and I will stay awake for the entirety. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I promise. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's possible, but I know that the Bengals are capturing the imagination of lots of folks and it does make me feel a little bit bad for Browns fans because, by God, this was supposed to be their year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Out of all the things that could have come out of your year not coming to fruition, it wasn't that <laughs> one of your chief rivals should have taken your place in the Super Bowl. With, with and that's the way it played out. <laughs> that's the way it played out with their second year quarterback, the, the guy that they seem to have gotten it right with, as opposed yeah, to. You could argue. <laughs> as opposed to whether or not your number one pick got things right. Hey, we, we could go all day on this. We're going to have to take another Dungeon as Jeweler timeout, and we'll get more text messages, I'm sure. When we come back, it'll be time for poll results and water cooler conversation. Some news out of Michigan that continues. It'll be a part of my water cooler conversation. You'll want to be here for that after this Don Jiggy's Jeweler timeout on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Final segment here on Cookie and the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. John Cook and Garrett Seawright with you until, well, I don't know, about 10 more minutes. That's yeah. seven more minutes, actually. Time to... Get some final results on those Twitter poll questions. See if we swayed any opinions. <laughs> we asked, did you watch the Pro Bowl yesterday? 90%, 90.5% say no. No, they didn't. So that state right. steady the entire show. got to believe them then. State steady the entire show. Uh, we also asked, if you were an NFL player, where would you hope the Pro Bowl was held? 63% say Hawaii. Which I feel like if somebody else is paying for you to go somewhere... Why would you choose any place right. else? Hawaii is the is What were the your answer. other choices? Uh, Orlando, Las Vegas. Or elsewhere. You tell us where you want to go. 63%. Oh, wow. I would have guessed that would be 80. Yeah. I would have yeah. guessed that would be 80%. Wait, somebody else going to pay for this? All right. Okay. On our final poll question is, is figure skating a sport? 58.5% say yes. So we dropped it 7% or so. You made an impassioned argument. Well. And a reasonable argument. Well, it's. I spoke the truth, John, is what happened. I and not, you know, people. I know my truth. I was going to say, oh, I know man, my truth. Nothing chaps me more than, well, my truth. No, there is no your truth. There is the truth. Yeah, but when you get to play the sound of Vince Vaughn saying, I know my truth, that's, that's, <laughs> well, a, that's a great drop. That's, that's, that's a great true. drop. I know my truth. There's a, there's another, uh, there's a sound on TikTok that we can't play on the show right now. It's, I don't, I don't know where it's Will, it's Will Ferrell shouting, shut up. I'm so bleeping scared right now. Shut up. That would be a great, great drop. Uh, there would be, yes, it would be a, if we could somehow work a bleep in there when it needs to be. I'm so bleeping scared right now. Shut up. You got any water cooler conversation? Um, you, you know what? I do. I, I've got one thing. Uh, when Takeo Spikes was in the NFL, he was. Uh, recognized and known for the size of his neck. Um, it, ESPN called him the most jack linebacker, or Sports Illustrated called him the most jack linebacker in NFL history. Um, his neck measures at 21 inches. When I buy collared shirts, I'm, I'm at 20. Nobody's nobody's talking about how yoked I am. <laughs> nobody's impressed by my neck. In fact, I'm, I'm my mother will stare at me blowing holes through like you have a 20 inch neck jeez i'm crying you <laughs> fat cow like i'm pretty sure you're supposed to be nurturing but uh but yeah. takeo spikes is bigger than mine right takeo spikes has a bigger neck than i do shouldn't be the response and yet somehow there i am there i am <laughs> takeo spikes has a bigger neck than me 21 inches who cares what do you do i'm at 20 and a half 
You gotta get the little one, the neck with the with the little I'll tell you what, elastic it, it, collar it, it, there. It'll be easier for you to make up that half inch than it will oh, be for Tequila to get back to a hundred percent. I can get to twenty one. <laughs> hell, by the end of the week, if I try hard enough. You know, I already have to work to get back to twenty and a half. You probably have to put some time in. I haven't seen any 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 video footage of Tequila lately, <laughs> but I'm gonna guess he'd have to put some work in. Probably. So a couple of weeks ago. It was speculated widely and then happened very quickly that the Michigan defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, the 34-year-old Mike McDonald, who had come to his position as the defensive coordinator at Michigan at the recommendation of his former boss, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, Mr. John Harbaugh, who said to his brother, you should hire Mike McDonald to be your defensive coordinator. He did. And it made a nice big impact on Michigan football. And then Mike McDonald said, I'm going back to be the defensive coordinator of the Ravens where this thing started. And over the weekend, we learned that the Michigan offensive coordinator, one Josh Gaddis, who joined the Michigan staff from Alabama, and I would say it's it's fair to, to say has had a sizable impact on the Michigan football program and their offensive, I don't know if explosiveness or efficiency is more the right word, but very positive impact. Things went well. Uh, Josh Gaddis, I, th- I think, wanted to, to be told or to have some feeling that if Jim Harbaugh did indeed leave, he would be the next head coach at the University of Michigan. It's what I advocated for on Michigan's behalf, even though there were other <clears throat> head coaching candidates that I thought would, would probably be more likely and be more of a concern for me as an Ohio State fan. I thought Josh Gaddis would make perfect sense. Apparently, that wasn't ever really going to be an option for Michigan, and it seems as though Josh Gaddis kind of learned that over the weekend and began to text players on the Michigan team and I'm paraphrasing here. Basically, I, I, I can. Uh, unfortunately, the past few weeks has told a different story to me about the very little appreciation I have here from administration. In life, I would never advise anyone to be where they are not wanted. So he's not going to be at the University of Michigan anymore. In fact, he's leaving Michigan to become the offensive coordinator at Miami University in Coral Gables, Florida. University of Miami. University of Miami. Excuse me, I apologize. The University if he was of Miami. leaving, it would be a yeah. much bigger story if he yeah. was leaving well, to be the Miami University. How, yeah. how wide is the gap between those two schools, honestly? University of Miami and Miami University at this point in time. How big is the gap? I know the Red Hawks have not been very good but, the last couple of years, but we're talking about neither, the, neither has the, you. the Hurricanes have struggled mightily. Now they have a new head coach, and he's brought a new offensive coordinator. And it just... If I were at the water cooler having a conversation with some Michigan fans that I know, I would ask you, how concerned are you about your team's ability to sustain the progress that was made this year when you look and see that the head coach that was struggling mightily with all of his coordinators over the first, what, six years, five years of his tenure has now lost the two guys that seem to have made the biggest difference. Are you confident that you can can maintain where you are? Maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but I do think that there should be some cause for concern in Ann Arbor that they may they may have a problem I, I I think the the problem the reason apparently Jim Harbaugh does not have a job with the Minnesota Vikings today is because he had to fight the reputation that he is difficult to work with and apparently failed but the Detroit Free Press ran a stat in yesterday's paper that 33 assistants have joined Michigan staff during Jim Harbaugh's tenure 33 assistants you're allowed 10 on-field assistants, I think. So you've turned over your staff three times since December of 2014. And it's not, I'm assuming, because we can rattle off the number of guys who left to become head coaches. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'm not sure that when, when I'm Nick, not sure that number is one. When when Nick Saban is replacing guys, it's because guys are going to become head coaches and doing things like Kirby Smart is doing, yeah. or Billy Napier is doing. Um, I don't know. Could be some trouble in paradise. And it was a let's let's be honest. Our hope is it was a short lived little period of ecstasy for the University of let's Michigan hope. football program. And also water cooler conversation. If you didn't hear this news yet today, the Houston Texans interviewed six external candidates and then promoted Lovey Smith to be their head football coach. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Houston Texans and what their plan is, but if it took six interviews of external candidates to find your head coach who was in-house already, something's a little bit askew. But I do wish Tubby Smith luck because I or Lovey Smith. I love I really love Lovey Smith's approach. I think he's a good man and he's struggled as a head coach since he left the Chicago Bears, but I'm hoping and he gets it done. Time for us to step aside. Have a great, great Monday night. We are going to spend the rest of this week chatting about Bengals and Super Bowl when high school hoops. Join us every single day, 4 to 6, Cooking the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan.